George Affleck in for Mike Smith today. Hope you're doing well on this Friday morning. And it's time for Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry joins me, Global BC's Legislative Bureau Chief. Hey, Keith. Good morning, George. We just had a taste of uh, you on the news there. Uh, let's talk about cases and some of the numbers you threw out there. But it's, it's quite interesting, some of the data you had there. Let's talk about COVID. Yeah, so the uh, again, it's very interesting to see the vaccination rates that vary from community to community. Uh, in Metro Vancouver, so many places have very high vaccination rates. But once you get outside of Metro, you start seeing lower vaccination rates. And this is an ongoing problem, which is what some of these walk-in Wednesday things mm-hmm. yesterday we saw on Wednesday are, are supposed to address, which is just get everybody, you don't need an appointment, just walk in. And places like Dawson Creek, which has... 55% vaccination rate when the rest of the province is approaching 82%. In some places, Whistler, for example, almost 100% vaccination rate there. Only 50 people in Whistler have yet to get one dose. Which Who is are those people? Where do they live? <laughs> <laughs> Who are these people? Yeah. Um, but, you know, over here, Oak Bay, Sydney, uh, over 90%. Uh, the, the capital region has highs, huh. as does Vancouver, North Vancouver, uh, most of uh, Metro Vancouver, with the exception, again, some pockets, North Chilliwack, Mission, for example, have relatively low vaccination numbers. And they're really trying, public health officials, really trying to get that first dose number up. Mm-hmm. We want to get to now, a lot of experts are suggesting we need to get to 90% to achieve herd immunity from the Delta variant. And we're just incrementally increasing our first dose rate at a very small um, right. pace, literally, because we had about almost 7,000 first doses yet on Wednesday, which is you know encouraging. But you start doing the math, it takes a lot of those days to get to, to mm-hmm. get from 81% to 90%. It's interesting about Whistler, because that was one of the early places that they we did 100%. We went in there because there was an outbreak, and so we went there and they got their vaccines before anybody else. Yeah, no, that was that was a problem. Or, or was flagged in late fall mm-hmm. last year, and then early in January, where a number of people went to Whistler, uh, picked up. Back then, it was the uh, the P one. Uh, variant, the Brazilian mm-hmm. variant that uh, infected many people, brought it back into Metro Vancouver. We saw a big increase in cases on the west side of Vancouver. People who had gone to ski parties and ski trips to Whistler brought the virus back with them. But as a result of that, there was this mass immunization effort in Whistler, and it's paying off now. As again, yeah. almost 100% vaccination in Whistler, and, probably and, the highest in the entire country, and probably and considered a fairly young uh, community too. So mm-hmm. it goes against all the grains. One of the things you mentioned Dawson Creek but you didn't you also in the news I think you mentioned Salt Spring Island which I thought yes here you have in my mind I mean I'm gross generalizing here but politically speaking you have a different kind of demographic in <laughs> Salt Spring versus Dawson Creek like you would probably put uh, people on Salt Spring to the left you know and people up in Dawson Creek to the right well, yet, yet you're seeing the same number yeah, it's interesting that, um, well, Salt Spring's got definitely a higher number than Dawson Creek. Dawson mm-hmm. Creek's about 55%. Yeah. Salt Spring's about 74%, I think. But in contrast to Maine Island, Pender, Galliano, and Saturna, mm-hmm. which is all in the same neighborhood, all of those islands have over 90% of the residents are have at least one dose of the vaccine, which is significantly more than Salt Spring. Now, I'm almost a third-generation Salt Spring Islander. My mother and grandmother were born there. Um, I do visit that place quite a lot. I mean, there is a 
sort of an alternate alternative lifestyle there. Um, I'm not going to say it's just you know the old hippie-dom, but mm-hmm. there is uh, you know a, a different lifestyle there than I think that may exist on some of the other Gulf Islands, which may explain the real discrepancy between in vaccination rates between that island and all the islands that surround it. I think it also speaks to you know how complicated to get that last 10 15% is going to be. It's it comes yep. down to such specific things about a person and whether they're anti-vax or they're just politically against it or they're a conspiracy theorist to get or they're just lazy or they're just uneducated whatever yeah or it's just inconvenient for them to get the vaccine it is going to be i've talked to health administration dicks about this numerous times it's going to be a real grind to get this first dose to people who haven't already received it i mean all the low-hanging fruit has been um, plucked. And now it's just really trying to get to people who have yet to get the first dose. And it's a combination. I don't think it's anti-vax, uh, anti-vaxxer mentality so much as it may be ambivalence, uh, remoteness of living, because again, most uh, the low vaccination rates are in towns that are rural or, or in more remote locations. Mm-hmm. Urban settings, by and large, were well over 85% in most urban centers in, in, BC, in BC. But well, there are some exceptions to that. Again, you know, Creston, Nelson, for example, uh, 70% or in the 60%. And we have to get those numbers up if we want to achieve herd immunity. It's going to take some time and it's going to be a grind. I would say Nelson's a lot like Salisbury Island, yeah, to be honest. There's, there's a parallel there. <laughs> there is. So I want to talk about passports. Here's Dr. Bonnie Henry talking about uh, Quebec, take, you know, whether we'll follow Quebec's lead and have vaccine passports for non-essential tra- services. Here she is. We're looking at all options and continue to look at all options. What we have said is that we will not be denying people essential services based on their vaccination status. But I've also said very clearly that there are some uh, services where uh, people who work in those uh, industries, and we think of healthcare as an essential public service, that we need to uh, make sure that we are protecting healthcare workers, protecting the healthcare system, and the people that we care for. And so we are. Um, as I've mentioned a number of times, working on mm-hmm. our policy around that. Working on it, working on it. Not making a decision yet, but, you know, we certainly before the break, uh, we had uh, before the news, we were talking about seniors' homes and, and uh, you know, and whether we should mandate this and passports. And, you know, there's just no it's commitment. Coming. It's coming. Yeah. It's coming. I think it's interesting to watch the media coverage of yesterday's briefing. Some outlets said, well, BC's downplaying uh, the passport option. We're not going that way. My takeaway, again, through lots of conversations with these folks, is that we are headed towards some sort of restrictions and measures and requirements to be vaccinated in certain situations. And that includes healthcare workers, long-term care home workers. And I think, you know, Adrian Dix yesterday said, you know, we can't force you to be vaccinated, but there will be consequences to you mm-hmm. if you don't get vaccinated. And I think we're headed... threat there. Yeah, and I think we're headed to a situation where there will be consequences. You will not be able to go to certain events or go to certain establishments. You know, dining in a restaurant is not an essential service. Uh, neither is going to a movie theater. And mm-hmm. that may very well be the type of thing that you're not you're prohibited from attending unless you're vaccinated. But again, we're not there yet. It's a work in progress and we'll see where it's going. Where well, it's going to go. it, can, it might address what we were talking about before and that 10 to 15% that won't budge. Uh, you know, suddenly if you put that stick out there and say, you know. Look at look what happened in France. Yeah. I mean, Macron brought in those restrictions saying you can't do these things unless you get vaccinated. Big protests in the street. Mm-hmm. But what do you know? A huge surge in yeah. vaccinations as people realize <laughs> the, the implications of not being vic- uh, vaccinated. I think that actually is more effective. Using the stick 
rather than the carrot of offering lottery tickets or $100 to get vaccinated, yeah. I think it's more, you, t- you curb someone's privileges, and that speaks volumes and makes them, I think, uh, reconsider their options. Yeah, you don't want to head down that road of uh, financial gain by nah. doing something that's good for everybody. That's not a cool way to go. Border controls, let's move on to this. Like, okay, we're opening up our borders, but then the border guys are going to go on strike. What? <laughs> what? Yeah, that complicates an already complicated situation. I mean, I, I mean it's an essential service designation here, but it's going to make a, you know, what was going to be a long lineup even longer. You know, it's just going to make crossing the border that much more problematic, which already is going to be problematic. I mean, I just really question why anybody would want to cross the border right now, frankly, given Mm -hmm. what's going on in the United States in terms of COVID-19. The Delta variant is swirling around. And, and, you know, Washington State, Seattle's got some high vaccination numbers. You start going outside that urban area, though, you hit low vaccination numbers, and their hospitals are filling up in Washington State. So, again, the, the impetus to travel right now, I just don't see why it's there for people it's really quite shocking we, we had an interview with a guy in florida yesterday earlier in the show and yeah, i heard that it's just like what florida is, going is just on? a basket case Nine thousand people in the hospital um yeah i heard your doctor he's it's just uh, amazing what can happen when you just simply have an entire communities refusing to get vaccinated as this delta variant really takes hold and again uh, not everyone against the Delta variant gets really that sick, but people can die from it and can can get seriously ill from it. And you fill up the hospitals, and then you have all these other things. If you have a heart attack for whatever, or you need to get to the hospital for something else, or, yeah. or any kind of surgeries, or you think back to when we first started this COVID nightmare. What happened? We had all surgeries were canceled, everything was canceled because they wanted to make sure that they had people ready on the ready for the, there, the chaos. And there are three priorities driving our VC's response to this. One is to prevent severe illness and death. Mm-hmm. Two is to prevent the, the overtaking the hospital system and preventing other healthcare services from being provided because everything goes to COVID. And third is to have minimal disruption to society. And that's been BC's three guiding goals and they remain those three. And so far, I would argue we've, we've succeeded on meeting those three. We haven't got a lot of deaths or a huge number mm-hmm. in hospital. We don't have lockdowns like they have in other places in terms of disruptions to other uh, to society, and we haven't had an overwhelming uh, incidence in the hospital system to block other health care services from being performed. But we're always on the edge of that if this thing gets out of control. George Afflickin for Mike Smith and Keith Baldry, Global BC's Legislative Bureau Chief, stays with me here for Baldry's Beat. We're taking your calls, 604-280-9898, 604-280-9898. If your questions, your comments, or anything we're talking about. Kim from New West, go ahead. Hi, Keith. Lots of talk about health care workers getting vaccinated mm-hmm. and long-term care workers, but I haven't heard anything about paramedics being required to get vaccinated. Mm-hmm. Any discussion around that or any comments? Thank you. Thanks, Kim. Yeah, I would certainly think that would be in the conversation that's ongoing in public health. Uh, those are frontline healthcare workers. We're not talking, when Dr. Bonnie Henry talks about healthcare workers, it's not just hospital people, hospital staff. It is people through the wide range of healthcare uh, in terms of the need to be vaccinated. So I would very much expect if there's going to be a mandatory vaccination rule for hospital workers, I would think it would extend uh, by necessity to paramedics and other frontline healthcare workers. So uh, again, 
and this is not the final chapter hasn't been written here. It seems to be, it's a work in progress, and it seems to be that's where they're headed. It's, is there apprehension, uh, Keith? Like the nurses' union here was very anti-flu um, shot, flu vaccine. Uh, is that we're seeing the same thing happening on this on the issue of COVID? No, it seems that the unions are more in favor now huh. of, of realizing this is a, a more serious situation. This protects their members if uh, everyone gets vaccinated. I mean, they're, they're mm-hmm. buying in to the herd immunity concept, which I think is refreshing. Somebody actually, we had an earlier call, caller ask this, and somebody left, didn't want to come on air, but they asked about herd immunity versus vaccinations and whether you should get both, or, you know, what's the science on that that you keep hearing? Well, the... the Reluctant to give a precise number of what the target is for vaccination, but mm-hmm. it seems that ni- 85 to 90 percent is the minimum mm-hmm. of what we're, we're shooting for. Uh, and herd immunity is basically when the herd gets immunized, there's no place for the virus to go. So if 90 percent of the community is immunized against this, the chances of the virus spreading to any great degree is minimal because there's just fewer bodies for it to feast on. Right. Uh, it can still exist but not with anywhere near the same uh, presence that it has right now. And what about just the catching it, though, like the herd immunity concept of catching it and then skipping the whole, you know, why bother with, uh, with, a, with a vaccine at all? Well, if uh, catching this vaccine, catching this virus can lead to fatal outcomes. So uh, even if you're, again, the, science, the, the experience so far is only about 2% of the cases right now are in fully vaccinated people, and those are almost primarily all mild forms of the illness unless they're over 80 or 90 then there have been instances of hospitalizations and people dying but again you want to basically stamp sort of eliminate the places this virus can live and if we can do that with increasing numbers this thing will never disappear necessarily Mm -hmm. uh, just like the flu doesn't disappear Mm -hmm. but we can minimize its its adverse impact on society ray from poco go ahead ray yes i just uh going to suggest that uh we're we're talking about uh, the uh, virus uh, in uh, the states, uh, Florida, New York, mm-hmm. whatever, and that uh, we seem to have the uh, uh, right doing the right thing because yeah. our counts are lower. Well, the question is is that uh, their density. If we had their density, oh, mm-hmm. people wise, we would be just as bad off. Uh, population, Keith, what do you think? No, I think uh, it's basically low vaccination numbers. Um, you know, Arkansas is a good example. Very low density there, yeah. but really high numbers yeah. of uh, COVID-19 and, and, and the Delta variant. Uh, Mississippi, Missouri, Louisiana, Alabama, uh, much of Florida. I mean, these are not all dead. We're not talking all Miami Beach here. These are some <laughs> of the rural regions as well. And we're starting to see outbreak. this in the north. You know, you're starting to see the numbers go up, and that's a testament to the fact that uh, the interior, you're seeing the numbers go up and up and up. So. Yeah. The North, the North, uh, you know, just uh, after sort of sleepwalking at, you know, two cases a day, three cases a day, four cases a day. Well, the last three days in the North, 20, 13, and 16. Yep, Not great. a lot, but, but noticeable. Vaccouver Island, the same thing. Yeah. 25, 32 uh, the last two days. And again, not huge, but there's a noticeable uptick in some of the rural areas in BC because that reflects some of the lower vaccination rates. All right. Uh, real quick, Grant, go ahead. 
real quick. Hey, okay, I got my first shot, which was which Pfizer. Yep. Um, but two months later, my second one was Moderna because the government says it was okay to mix it. Yeah. Um, I'm reading stories now that I, I could be mix, limited mix. where I can travel. Yeah. To. Okay. Real quick, Keith. Thanks. Thanks, Grant. Yeah. Real quick, Keith. We got ten seconds. Mix and match. Four hundred thousand people mixed and matched in BC. I do, and you start doing the math across Canada or across the world. I don't think countries are going to prevent uh, millions of people are visiting. Thanks, Keith. We'll talk to you. Actually, I won't talk to you. You'll talk to Mike on Monday. I'm right. I'm done. So have a great weekend, everyone.